Hello again, everyone. This is Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News Podcast number 48, and I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Brad Filicky. Brad, say hello. Hello. And we are here today to talk about all of the exciting new things happening with DC movies, comics, and TV and streaming. Um, So without further ado, let's jump right into the movies, which starts off with our first announcement that John Turturro, I hope I'm saying that correctly, has been cast to play Carmine Falcone in the upcoming Matt Reeves Batman movie. Uh, Brad, what did you think? I I like this idea. Um, I, th- I this the casting is for this movie is getting more and more impressive uh, as these rumors and you know become true. And I mean he's he's a great actor and he can really I think bring an interesting aspect to the role because he doesn't come across as your typical gangster. Uh, but. You know, Carmen Falcone does, the character does. So, you know, it's it could have a little bit different take on that character, uh, even though he did play a gangster in, you know, Miller's Crossing. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's a uh, I just uh, yeah, I'm really liking this casting so far in this film. Yeah, I have to agree. The casting, I was extremely skeptical at first, but the more they announced, the better it sounds. And I think the only movie that I actually remember uh, John Turturro from is The Big Lebowski, in which he definitely did not play a gangster. He played, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, the it's one of his very best awkward bowling guy, right? It's And yeah. so just off of that, I'm like, you know what? I, I'll support anything he wants to do because any man <laughs> that can seriously pull off a purple jumpsuit is probably a good <laughs> right. actor. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, it'll be interesting to see him play such a... Uh, such a serious and foreboding character in the Batman universe and especially opposite Robert Pattinson, who I'm still still waiting to see what he actually looks like on screen for that and how he, I, I guess, adapts to the Bruce Wayne role. So, yeah. yeah, and it's funny because there were rumors going around that and I don't know how true it is, but that they had to delay the Batman a little bit so he could bulk up more for the role of Batman. So. Take that with a grain of salt, I guess, but there you have it. Yeah, that would be interesting, which, if anything, I appreciate actors who really throw themselves into the role and really try to, um, you know, do do whatever it is that they're doing with their, their full, can't even say full heart, I guess, for Pattinson, it's his full body because he's training in jiu-jitsu, and if he is bulking up for it as well, then that's, you know, good for him. Good for him for dedicating himself to Batman that much. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, and so we have another actor who actually is very much into his role. Dwayne Johnson as Black Adam has given a little bit of teasers for what might be coming up in the Black Adam movie, Um, starting with the fact that the Justice Society of America may be showing up, or at least uh, their world is going to be established, according to Johnson. What did you think, Brad? I like the idea of The Rock being a comic fan enough to know and want to include the JSA in it because uh, it, to me it just shows that he has the knowledge and the love of the Black Adam character to really deliver on this so I think that I have a feeling that this movie is going to surprise a lot of people um, and yeah I'm, I'm all for seeing the JSA or even hints of the JSA uh, in this and you know I, I want to see <laughs> I want to see exactly how much comic knowledge the rock does have so yeah it should be interesting (laughs) yeah definitely and i think the fact that he's alluding to them at all is fantastic but it it shows how much enthusiasm he has that he wants to bring in these other properties and these other worlds and he's you know i think in in his his quote or his tweet he said nothing or everything in the dc universe is kind of on his radar so he could go for absolutely anything and we won't know what until the actual movie gets closer yeah, you said it with that word enthusiasm is so important because if an actor doesn't or the filmmaker doesn't have that enthusiasm for the characters and the properties they're working with, it shows. Catwoman, I think, being a perfect example of that. And the flip side uh, is something like Shazam, where Zachary Levi had so much enthusiasm and love for the character. And it really showed when you, you know, on the screen for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 
whatever he ends up doing, I think will be really well done. And we, I, we saw this again with um, Jason Momoa and his, you know, his yeah, effort exactly. with Aquaman. So I'm hoping, you know, it's that same kind of scenario where the, even if the, the directors or whoever else is, working on the film may not be as, you know, as hardcore about the character, as long as the actor who's playing them is and they have input, then that's probably the most important thing. Um, and actually going off of that, so our next story is related to the Joker, which I we've said it before, we'll be talking about for the rest of eternity. <laughs> but um, Todd Phillips is a, definitely not one of those directors who doesn't understand his property because he clearly understood the Joker in a really intimate way. And so he's actually denied some recent rumors that there's a Joker sequel in the works. Um, Brad, what did you think? I think that it is a very tight rope to walk between commerce and art in this particular instance. Obviously, Warner Brothers is going to want a sequel. This movie was the most profitable comic book movie ever made and it's still making money of course they're going to want to to capitalize on that flip side of that though is that it was such a, a kind of standalone idea for a character study and you'd have to be very careful continuing on that to, to not water down the story or the characters now if todd i i would say that if todd phillips felt he had a good idea that it wouldn't take long to get greenlit by DC and Warner Brothers. So I would say never say never if something happens where he would have a good idea. But I think uh, he just got to tread lightly. Yeah, definitely. I uh, personally, when I first saw the rumor that there was going to be a sequel and it said that they'd discussed it, I was kind of upset because I think one of the really, as you were saying, the big merits of the Joker is that it was this kind of standalone one-shot story that really went deeply into the character um and yeah I just I liked that Todd Phillips was approaching it from a way or from a direction that was to separate it from other superhero movies that are coming out so there's less special effects there's less of the you know watch the next mm -hmm. five movies to get the whole story mm -hmm. um so yeah it's it's tough because I think that if he and Joaquin Phoenix were really to have a fantastic idea and really be excited about it, then I, I would be on board. But I think the better uh, strategy for DC would be instead of building on this one property because it worked and then, you know, eventually risking ruining that property to then focus on actually just making really good movies that don't have to be connected to something else and yeah. finding directors and actors that do it well. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, there's a goldmine out there for all of their properties, really. It just takes a really good, dedicated creative team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a creative team that understands the characters as well. I mean, that's I think that was a big thing, too, is like you said, uh, Todd Phillips just understood the characters so much. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and even with Joaquin Phoenix, I mean, he brought so much extra to the Joker. He brought so much more than, um, you know, than I think anyone expected with the laugh and, and all of the his his way of walking and speaking and the kind of soft, quiet Joker. It, it was unsettling, but it's I wouldn't hate seeing that Joker again, but I also wouldn't be upset if it just remains its own its own entity. Yeah. I, yeah, I think you're right. I think that either way, if it's a good movie, we win. <laughs> yeah, because at the end of the day, we still have the Joker as it was. So, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And actually speaking of the the ifs and maybes of the DC universe, Henry Cavill is saying that he has not ruled out being Superman again yet, and he actually is it, which is surprising because in the past I hadn't really felt that he was that enthusiastic about being Superman, but his uh, recent statement sounds like he really does have a lot of passion for the character. So what, what did you think of that? Uh, I'm rooting for the guy. And I don't think, you know, I don't think it's his fault. I think that DC doesn't really know what they want to do with the Superman character on film. Because they're into this really good rut now of using these kind of secondary characters and these standalone kind of movies. 
Well, I shouldn't say secondary in the case of Wonder Woman, which was kind of a huge success, you know, which was a huge success as well. But things like Aquaman, um, you know, so I just don't know if DC's ready to use Superman for a while. So if they would come up with an idea, I don't see why they wouldn't ask him to return. And if he wants to return, why not? I thought he was a, you know, I, I liked him as Superman. So I wouldn't have a problem. Uh, if you return, but I wouldn't be holding my breath at this at this point. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think I don't know. I I'm so conflicted because I did like Henry Cavill as Superman. I thought he did a good job. I thought he was a very um, yeah. You know, he looked the part. He had that sort of heroic stature and way about him. But at the same time, it's the movies he was in weren't that great. So. My hope would be that if they do bring him back, it is with a Superman movie that's really well crafted. But I mean, part of the issue with that is that whenever we really gotten one of those and even in Batman vs. Superman or um, The Man of Steel, it's very they went too hard into the dark overtones. So, yeah, I I, this is another one that it's if they do, eh, if they don't. Also, I mean, I'd feel bad for him if he didn't get to play Superman again, though. Yeah, I mean, I think that had critics and audiences responded, I mean, this is obvious, but if they responded differently to Superman and Batman and um, uh, Justice League, I think that we would have already had another Superman movie with him in it. Or at least the, the cameo at the end of Shazam would have had him in it and not just, you know. From the waist yeah. down, you know, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I mean, I wish him the best of luck. I hope that he gets to play the role again. It's That's, I think, the saddest thing about the fallout from, um, you know, the Justice League and those other sort of hard flops that we saw is that there were so many actors who were really, really into their roles that just it's, you know, it's up in the air now. And then immediately after their run, DC starts getting super successful and actually starts... Uh, fixing some of their problems so yeah i mean i i feel for him i hope he gets to do it again (laughs) but yeah we'll see and so another movie that is coming out in i believe in february um the birds of prey has officially i guess started the score for the movie by um the composer daniel pemberton um, I personally haven't heard any of his work, but have you heard anything? Yeah, I've I've seen other stuff he worked on uh, yesterday, Motherless Brooklyn and uh, The Dark Crystal. Uh, I have seen those. And um, it's funny because I think that Birds of Prey seems like a little more punk rock and a little more edgy. So I think that it's, he's an interesting choice when he's worked on like a Beatles movie and a moody noir film like Motherless Brooklyn or something epic like Dark Crystal. I think he's going to have to switch gears from what he's worked on before. Um, but yeah, I mean, why not give him a shot? You know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And actually, it's it is interesting that Birds of Prey seems to have such that uh, that punk rock edge. And what popped into my head was Trent Reznor is doing. Watchmen, he probably could have oh, made a pretty decent score yeah. for uh, for Birds of Prey too. Oh, but, for sure. Yeah. You know, not to say that that uh, Daniel Pemberton won't do a good job. I think we'll see. It's it's one of the many wait and sees in this list of of um, movies makes, coming out. Yeah, it makes me wonder if he like sent the guys like a, a piece of music that he was working on, um, and they were like, oh, that's yes, that's that's what we need because it doesn't I, I don't know if he would necessarily be an obvious choice so yeah. i wonder you know i wonder if he kind of fought for the role fought to be the composer that would be interesting and actually i would like that better if it's someone who approached them and said oh, i have a really good idea for this movie you're doing that's to me that's a that shows that they really thought about it so yeah i i i'm interested to see what he comes up with and so we actually have go branching off of Birds of Prey and into the Suicide Squad, um, James Gunn promised that there's going to be less kind of a, the, the crazy special effects and more practical effects in this movie. So what, what did you think of that? Uh, that it brings up a very good point of what we've been talking about uh, on this podcast with this film, 
when we were talking about King Shark and is it just going to be the per- the actor's voice or is it going to be and a CGI King Shark or is it going I wanted to be a shark like a costume. Yeah. <laughs> so it looks like you're you're going to get your way and I think that's going to be an interesting approach. Uh, and, and and I think with a film like Suicide Squad it could work because the characters can be a little more grounded. It's not like Captain Marvel or Shazam, you know what I mean? It's it's it would fit more in with practical effects. But my, my big question is how they're going to treat characters like King Shark. Yeah, that's I actually reading this. I hadn't thought of that because I'm still, I guess on the side of using more practical effects because of movies like the Joker. And, and in the sense that it seems like superhero movies have gotten so far away from really grounding them in storytelling and in, um, the talent of the actors and more so just look at all of the stuff we can do with CGI or with a green screen. So I like the idea, but yeah, with King shark, I mean, and now that I might actually get the King shark in the costume, I don't even know if I want it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of kidding, but now it's, I mean, if it's a dude in a shark suit, I will accept it. But (laughs) yeah, I I like that. He's trying to do that. Although there's a, a small part of me that wonders if we're seeing another one of those, uh, snowball effects where one movie does something that's successful and then every other movie starts kind of latching on yeah it would just take one film for it to be a bad practical effects before it goes back to the other way i think yeah and and my question to that is kind of well i wonder if james gunn had a certain vision for it that kind of requires a look for more practical effects Mm. so that could be yeah that that would be cool that would be I mean, the Suicide Squad is such a sort of ragtag team of characters. I think it would be really interesting to see them from the angle that the effects aren't these massive, you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman effects, but that, you know, because they're sort of this hodgepodge of C and B list characters that they would have, I don't know, I guess a more homey look to it I, I don't know I, yeah. I like the idea but again it depends how it comes across on screen I think yeah it, I guess we'll you know I really this is one movie that I really can't wait to see like design and concept art leak out yeah yeah absolutely I'm surprised we haven't seen more of it honestly we've seen pretty much just the king shark sneak peek but even that was just just a tweet so yeah yeah we yeah. have no no real and, backing <laughs> And I have a feeling over the next year, this is going to be a lot of stuff we're going to be talking about on this podcast. There's probably going to be yep. a lot of Suicide Squad stories. <laughs> this and Joker. It literally yeah. is the and year Batman. of the villain. And yeah, right. <laughs> and exactly. <Batman>. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm just glad that they're willing to push past some of their, their past mistakes and try to, I mean, relaunching the Suicide Squad was a bold choice to begin with. Yeah. So Yeah. And even, you know, bold choices, even a Joker movie set outside of all the other continuity that's going on right now was a pretty bold choice. Yeah, that's true. And and it worked and it didn't. Yeah. There were definitely days where I didn't think it sounded like the best idea. But then, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix just, it, even the pictures before the release of the movie seemed so into the role. It was hard to, it was hard to bypass and especially yeah. after the film festivals. Yeah. But um, going off of DC's previous mistakes, Gail Godot and Ben Affleck have been, I guess, officially on board for the release the Snyder Cut movement, which I, I mean, late to the party, but okay, Brad, what do you think? Oh, bless their hearts. I just, I just don't think it's gonna happen. Um, and I, you know, I don't know why they're so reluctant to do it. But I just, I mean, everything points to the fact that they just don't want to release it. And I mean, I, maybe I'm a little bit behind the eight ball on this one, but does it even really truly exist? I mean, it has to exist because, it, it, right? Like, there ha- it has Is it to like exist. a whole finished film that they can just put out? I, I, that seems to be what they're suggesting, which to me is crazy that there's a whole second version of this movie which is apparently so good but then part of me thinks maybe warner brothers doesn't want to release it because now it's been hyped up so much it's well if this is terrible then we just know it was a terrible movie (laughs) um yeah i mean that's a good point 
but I bet you know this this movement if they put that on the DC Universe streaming service, I bet they would get a lot more subscribers. Oh yeah, you know, and then they wouldn't even have to worry about losing money per se because it's not you know it's not in the theaters. So the yeah. worst case scenario is that somebody's going to buy a subscription to DC, to the DC Universe streaming service. Yeah, and that's. That's a that's a good worst case scenario, honestly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but so yeah, really, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think coming off the Justice League and all of the the actors that have kind of gotten thrown by the wayside after that movie didn't do well, if there is a chance that this will redeem some of the the image of them, then I get why they'd push for it. Although yeah. Ben Affleck, I don't know, I I didn't love him as Batman. I know it's some people did some people didn't but when he says release the Snyder cut I'm like as long as it makes him look like less of a jerk because in that movie he kind of just looked like a jerk (laughs) that and I mean the whole they they all decide that it was morally wrong to do something and then do it anyway and it just works out that's that's insane Yeah. yeah but in any case we'll we'll see what happens there yeah, I, my my big thing with Affleck as Batman is why would they choose an older Batman? That never made sense to me, regardless of what I think of him as an actor. I just thought that was a an odd choice. Yeah, yeah. Which now they're taking a hard left with Pattinson's Batman. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. I feel so bad for those actors, honestly. Uh, yeah. Just across the board. It could have been great, and yeah. it was not. Yeah, we never got the Justice League movie we deserve. No, nope. There was no justice for the and, Justice and, League. And honestly, I, I, I'm a pretty big apologist for it. I actually enjoyed it. Really? So, yeah, I, I, just in the, in the sense that I liked what it could have set up. Um, using Steppenwolf as the villain and not Darkseid, I thought that they were setting... You know, setting it up where Darkseid could really be this big villain in films down the road. And it just, I don't know, it just, it, it was more fun than I was kind of expecting it to be. So, you know, I, That's fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to defend it to my dying day saying it was a great movie or anything. But I, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, that wraps up our movie news. So we are going to take a quick ad break and we'll be right back with TV and streaming. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Hello again, everybody. This is Kelly Gaines for the DC Comics News podcast number 48. And I am here with Brad Filicky. Brad? Hello. And we're about to talk about the interesting new TV and streaming developments, um, a lot of them relating to the upcoming Crisis on Infinite Earths event. Um, so starting with, they released the poster for the event recently. Brad, what did you think of the poster? I've talked long about how I can't wait for this and how um, excited I am. Um, 
And this poster, once again, is something that makes me a little more excited. I, I love the fact that Black Lightning made the poster and looks like Constantine made the poster. I thought that was very, very promising. Yeah, that's I I liked that. And then also it's it reminded me a lot of uh kind of like an old school Star Wars poster with all yeah. of the characters and different and I will say Marvel did that with Infinity War, but it wasn't their it wasn't their concept to begin with. So DC can use it too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it looks like it's gonna be great. And then they also released the synops synopses not synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> For uh, the different segments of the event. So what what did you think, just as as a fan of all of the shows? Uh, I'm, I just kind of, I'm ready to see it now. Um, it's something that we've been chatting about. And um, it's just, it's it's time. And the, the, synop- the synopsises look good. Um, and I, I, so even with those, I don't think it's it's going to give a hint of what we're in for, especially with all these cameos they have lined up. So uh, I'm actually kind of like pulling back from those synopsis a little bit because I kind of want to be surprised uh, as well. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And yeah, I, I think they gave just enough to set it up and explain kind of the track we're going to be on. But yeah, they didn't really go into the cameos or into any of the other little I guess Easter eggs we're expecting. So it's yeah, like you said, it's it's just time to see it at this point. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we got to see from DC Universe was the Nightwing costume for Titans. Um, what what was your first first impression? I I like it. I think that um, that I, I liked that it, it's kind of a a little bit of a mix of the old and the new in a way um and it's got a little hint i think of a batman influence in the costume so yeah i uh, uh it's cool it's better than connor's jeans say that <laughs> <laughs> that's when you have a solid nightwing p- costume you get a pass on having the nice pants yes right <laughs> god but you're right though it looks very I, the the word that came to mind when I looked at it was sleek. It's very kind of just that sleek, black, almost armored looking. Yes. Um, yeah, Batman-y. The armored and sleek, it's like tactical, but fashionable. Yes, yeah. Although <laughs> I will say that if they're trying, if he's trying to be tactical and blend into the night in even remotely the way Batman did, the bright blue in the middle probably wouldn't, but that's, that's just, I mean, this is classic Nightwing sort of. So that would have just been an overall design note for Nightwing. If he was trying to blend in maybe a lighter color in the chest, but in any case, I, yeah, I like this costume. I think it looks good. Um, the picture doesn't really give us much else of what we'll be seeing in season three, but yeah, I, I like it. Look, look decent. Yeah. And so also in um in DC Universe news, uh, Stargirl is going to premiere on both the CW and DC Universe. So anyone who has the uh, the streaming service will get to see it, and then anyone who has cable can see it too. What did you think? I think it's good that they are still saying that it's going to be on DC Universe because I know that a lot of people are a little bit nervous about the kind of the fate of DC Universe, especially with the launching of HBO Max in in springtime so it looks like they're still behind it enough that they still want to see star girl uh on the streaming service uh putting it on the cw is a uh, a good choice it it just makes me wonder that down the line they're probably going to obviously they'll try to kind of ease her into the the arrowverse world with crossovers and things like that so that might have some interesting storytelling opportunities yeah yeah and actually i think because earlier today this the past couple weeks have been such a a buzz about disney plus and earlier today i was thinking because i i caved and got disney plus but then what happens to disney channel (laughs) yeah you know are, are they still gonna um 
I don't know. I don't know how they're going to divvy up putting content on Disney Channel if they keep Disney Channel and then putting content on Disney Plus because they already have exclusive Disney Plus shows. So mm-hmm. it's it seems like a weird balance there. So watching DC navigate the same thing is I, I think DC has at the very least, like you were saying, that support behind DC Universe that they're still putting content on it. They're still trying to make it a really good service and personally i I love dc universe it's one of the it's one of these subscriptions that i don't see myself getting rid of anytime soon but oh for sure yeah definitely not and that's what that's one of the things that scares me about the idea of dc universe going away is not the loss of the original shows because i think that the shows have kind of proven themselves through fans and critics that they'll find a place somewhere but what's not guaranteed is some of those older DC classic shows, uh, like the Superboy and things like that, we we may not see those move to the HBO Max. So I'm, I'm rooting for DC Universe to stick around. It's, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's And I also like that they're trying to build this idea of a, a fan experience, that they're they're trying to kind of make a place where fans can talk to each other and discuss things and watch stuff together. It's it's a, a different angle for a streaming service, and I like that they're branching out in that way. So my hope would be that DC Universe can still thrive, but then we're, I mean, we're really hitting the point where there are just too many different kinds of streaming services. There's too many, uh, I mean, because right now we have, so there's Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, HBO Max, DC Universe—it's—it's it's starting to get a little bit crowded. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I—I'm skeptical, but in any case, if Stargirl is on both DC Universe and the CW, then that gives more people a chance to see her, and again, that right. brings more exactly. more fans into the books into yep. the show. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with with that. And actually, I think in um in the article about uh, the Black Adam movie in the JSA. They were saying the JSA is going to be in Stargirl too, so that'll be that'll be good. Yeah. It will, especially for more people to have access to that before the Black Adam movie. It might give, uh, you know, it might it might create a little bit more interest where there might not have been. Yeah, and I think that those little JSA Easter eggs in Stargirl will have people tuning in, like the fans tuning in too. So I'm kind of interested to see those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And who knows, maybe we'll get a, a solo Stargirl title out of it. That would be that'd be really cool to see, I think. Yeah. I mean, what's it been since like Star and Stripe? That's been that's been a while. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's and I think that's one of the things I really like about some of the shows and movies that they've done is that we get these really incredible solo titles that come out of them. Um yeah. but we're and actually that is the perfect segue into our next section, which is comics, because it, you know what? Let's we'll do the happy news first, and then we'll go yeah. into the sad news because <laughs> there is always sad news when we reach the comic section. <laughs> um, so the or Alan Moore's entire run on Swamp Thing is officially collected into an absolute format, um, which gives fans the very best of classic Swamp Thing. What do you think, Brad? I think that if there's any listeners out there who have not read this, start saving up your money because it is going to be absolutely worth it and it'll probably be like 100 150 dollars but when you read it you'll understand and and know that it is worth it it is one of the all-time classic stories and one of the classic uh examples of comics as they said grew up you know the in the 80s and that was definitely one of the titles that helped with that for sure so if you haven't read it read it and it's going to be I'm, it's going to be a beautiful edition because the dc absolute versions are just incredible so, yeah yeah for sure yeah that's I, I pretty much have to echo what you said and also my understanding that this is not a swamp thing that's going to get to be a purse book for me because my purse will not be that big i yeah. physically couldn't carry this around <laughs> yeah that's like a read at home kind of situation yep yeah and i maybe like a no, it's too good to be a coffee table book, but too big to be a purse book. So it's an in-between yeah. fancy bookshelf book. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I like that. I like that they're collecting this. I like that 
it's coming out. But I, I think I'm so thrown off right now because everything that DC has been or been soliciting lately has kind of gotten the the pushback effect, the Shazam syndrome, if you will. So yeah. that's I well, you know what? Before we get into that, there is a little bit more happy news, which is the um, Batman number 85 is going to give a sneak peek of 86 and of the new writers run at the end of that that issue. So what what do you think? Are you excited? Yeah, that's uh, I, I like uh, Tanine's writing, so I'm I'm excited to have that little preview in uh, in issue 85. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'll probably pick this up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I have to say when I read that something was coming out early, I got so excited. And then I saw yeah. that it was only two pages. And I was yeah. like, okay. <laughs> I mean, if you can get two pages out early, thank God. That's, yeah. that's something. Yeah. But unfortunately, other DC books are not getting that same, that same early treatment. So Legion of Superheroes number two has been pushed back two weeks. Um, and Harleen's finale issue has been pushed back three weeks. Um, so Brad, just what, what are your initial sad thoughts? Uh, you know, uh, I did pick up Legion of Superheroes one. I've not actually had a chance to sit down and read it yet. So in a way, personally, I don't mind it's been pushed back because it'll give me more of a chance to sit down and read issue number one. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's just a bummer that they can't keep on schedule, but it's something that we've kind of, it's a dead horse that we've beaten to death and it's just, just come on DC, what's going on? Um, but with the Harleen finale, I I can kind of understand it. These the, the art in it is is super detailed, and it's a situation where the artist is also writing it. So it's not surprising that they may need a little more time to get everything together. And I get that, um, but it's still kind of a bummer. Yeah, I think I I don't know. I mean. My issue right now is that we keep seeing this pattern of things getting pushed back. So when they get pushed back, you know, it's two or three weeks. That's not so bad. It's, you know, a little extra time for the creators, a little extra time to get the books together. But we've seen now where two weeks has become three weeks, has become six months, and then eventually becomes indefinitely, which is... that's the worst word in comics. Yeah. When stuff is indefinite. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm skeptical again it's that's what I keep coming back to with this it's just I hope they come out I hope it's on schedule and just you know a a brief little break for the creators but if it's something else I mean this is it started with Shazam and I now I feel like it's gone to so many books that are getting pushed back or delayed or it's really snowballed yeah and I I wish they would because for both of these there's no real reason given so I would like them to maybe give us a little bit of a reason as to why things are pushed back but mm-hmm. yeah that's I mean maybe when they hire that new uh new publicity person <laughs> at the very I, least they can explain what's going on right it's and if it's something where the artist or the writer needs more time if it's something where I I mean, outside of that, I don't know what other reasons there would be that aren't scary reasons, because, mm-hmm. you know, outside of the creative team needing more time, it's that it's on the actual uh, publishing end, which is kind of a, a scary thought. So I don't know. It's it's more pushback news, but hopefully we'll actually see these on time with the well on time late, as in the two or three weeks later that they're supposed to come out now, um, which actually and. Very strangely, there is a rush solicit for the new Birds of Prey giant title um, that was moved up to December 9th when it was initially supposed to come out in January. So that's confusing because we went from things being pushed back to now things are being pushed up. So what did you think, Brad? Uh, I guess I my question is why? Um, it seems like since the movie doesn't come out uh, you know, until... February, there's no need to get that out in December. Um, my guess is that maybe they're trying to, because these books are getting pushed back, that they have these holes that they need to fill as far as weekly releases. And uh, that, and maybe they, they've seen enough footage of Birds of Prey, and there's maybe there's going to be another trailer that they know or people are going to get excited about. So 
they want to have a book that people can go into the store and buy. Yeah, that that could be. And timing the release of the books with upcoming movies is definitely the best way to go. And that was part of my issue with Shazam when that kept getting pushed back is that the title was doing really well because it was riding on the coattails of the movie having done really well. Um, and then the book got pushed back and pushed back. And now it's, do we, is, did they have a, a general date of when that was coming out or is it, that one was the indefinitely one, right? I'll be honest. I don't pay attention to it because it gets pushed back. I just assume that it's going to get pushed back anyway. So <laughs> I'm kind of holding out for the, for the trade or the hardcover. Yeah. Uh, sad yeah. as that may seem, but at this point, just assuming yeah. never, sort of. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and it is really disappointing because I I know when um, a couple of years ago there was, or not even a couple of years ago, maybe a year ago, there was a comic book store by where I worked. So I would just go during my lunch break every Wednesday and I knew exactly what I was looking for, exactly what I was p- picking up every single time. And, you know, it's the same for stores where people have or have the subscriptions where there's specific books you pull when you have to constantly tell people that the DC books are changing date or this isn't coming out. Then it it has to make things more complicated for the the stores actually selling the books. So just across Mm -hmm. the board, it's not not a good sign, I think. Well, if you look back, the image, the early days of Image Comics, that was a big that was a big problem because they would send out these orders and the stores would order it and then there'd be no books. Yeah. And, you know, that that really hurt the industry for a while. So definitely don't want to see a repeat of all that. Yeah. Yeah. Which and what one of the things that's been so kind of boggling for me with this is I've always told people for the for the past I'd say five or six years when I say that I prefer DC over Marvel people have looked at me like I have three heads (laughs) and one of the things that I would always come back to is yes Marvel has really good movies but the DC books are good DC does really good comics at least compared to Marvel personally I find DC books to be much better written much more engaging um but if the books aren't coming out, then there's no real leverage there. So, right. Yeah. yeah exactly. I don't know. It's it's just depressing. But then it, we're kind of flip flopping here because our next story is uh, Batman Curse of the White Knight. Number five is now coming out a week early. So I, I think you might be right with the the filling the gaps theory. What do you think? Yeah, I was going to say, I think that it's it's kind of a two prong thing here is one is that they they have these holes now that they need to fill up and a second is that these white knight books have a very big buzz around them and they're pretty popular so it gives people a reason to go into the shops if say they're looking for that issue with shazam and all of a sudden they know it's not going to be there so they don't even bother going in to pick up any dc books but then they oh here's white knight so yeah i do have to go in this week and maybe i'll pick up something else so i think that that's maybe went into the decision yeah, yeah, very true. And actually, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, my concern with this would be if they are pushing books out early just to sort of fill in these gaps and give the other books more time, my hope would be that it doesn't put extra pressure on the creative teams behind them to finish things early. Or if, you know, if this was, say a book comes out a week early and it's, well, that was kind of the final draft, but we wanted to look at it a little more, wanted to make changes and then it gets pushed out anyway, then that could end up being a problem. So I don't know. It's the, the entire, you know, imbalance here is very concerning. Yeah. Yeah. And. Oh man. (laughs) What are they doing? (laughs) Yeah. And actually, so going off of that, um, the, Damage Collected Volume 3 has been canceled and not, it, it doesn't seem like they were saying indefinitely, but straight up just canceled. This book is not happening. So that's a little bit confusing to me. What What did you think? Yeah, uh, to me too, because I've never ever heard of a trade collection being completely canceled. Ever. Um, so, and, and again, we don't really know the reason why. So, did yeah. the book did the book sell that bad that they thought it would never ever you know nobody would ever ever buy the trade? 
or maybe they have something else in store for that character maybe another one shot or something where it makes sense to hold off and then they can put the one shot in too i uh you know i'm, I'm just not sure uh I, and i just i don't know how the book sells so it's hard for me to to gauge yeah yeah that's true i i never got into reading damage myself but it is strange that it's not you know you would think that if there was something off with the way the book sold or you know anything like that that they would have just not put out the trade um so to do part of the trade issues and then stop is a little it's inconsistent it's a little bit strange to me and especially Mm -hmm. i i buy the single issues and then if i really like a series i'll go back and buy you know buy the trades or Sometimes if I just see a trade that it's like, oh, you know, this book's been going on for a while and I want to catch up, then I'll do it that way. So I think they're ruining a little bit of their chance to have that sort of interaction with the fans that are actually in the store. If you go in and you say, okay, well, I can get Damage Volume 1 and Damage Volume 2, but then I can't finish the story unless I find all of the other individual issues. Because me, I, I like reading trades better than individual issues if I had to choose. Uh, I like having bigger chunks of the story condensed and not having to wait month to month. Um, the experience for me is better. And I would be upset if, in fact, I've almost picked up Damage 1 and Damage Volume 2 at times. And now I'm kind of glad I didn't because the story would be incomplete. So, yeah, I hope that they can get it together and decide to to print it. Yeah, yeah. And it's it is really depressing that instead of it being uh you know indefinitely postponed that this is just a hard stop so i think whatever strange i I don't even know what to call it whatever strange shenanigans are going on on the publishing side of dc yeah it's it's getting to the point where it's just odd and uncomfortable kind of because i i would almost be worried about say a a new series comes out and fans get into it and it keeps getting postponed and keeps getting taken away or you know you try to get into something older and then it's well you know what we're not printing the rest of this it just doesn't it doesn't create that good kind of total package that I feel like they've been going for especially with um you know the movies have been doing well DC Universe has been doing well so to really round it out they would have to keep up with the books too so I don't know. That's that is a seriously tough one. Yeah. I, what I can say is, if you're listening to this and you're a Damage fan, send some emails. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, use social media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually, I think I met someone recently, um, just offhand, someone who commented on a, I think it was a mug that I had, um, but asked if I was into comics and I th- I think it was Damage and Brimstone that they said they had read and really enjoyed oh, wow. so you know for fans like that it's it's unfortunate when the thing that you like is the thing that they decide isn't the priority to finish yeah so yeah I mean yeah. we'll we'll see where that that ends up you're kind of used to that as a tv fan where shows get canceled before they really have a chance to get into the story that you've been following but comics having a trade not come out that's that's something new yeah it's just strange because there's i if the books are already there then it's just, i right, i mean i've yeah, never published I mean, anything but i feel like it's just putting those in one cover and then there you go but yeah, yeah it's it's disappointing and actually you, you said shows that didn't really get to to tell their their whole story and the first thing i thought of was swamp thing <laughs> right yeah yeah perfect example the other big letdown of of this year yeah but yeah i mean we'll we'll see what happens there and actually so has there been anything recently that you've gotten into either you know dc show wise or book wise well i've been doing a little catching up on some reading uh red swamp thing giant and aquaman giant number one uh now that those giant issues are coming uh to comic shops read that uh far sector was kind of uh uh, interesting. Uh, so that's that's the a lot of the DC stuff that I've uh, been reading, and I picked up a, a an old trade from Red Tornado um, Family Reunion that was kind of fun. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
that's yeah i let me think recent well you know what i started getting back into um justice league dark because oh, i yeah, read so uh right it's the current yeah. one is amazing so far and i read yeah. during the new 52 all of that but what made me want to read justice league dark is there on on my amazon kind of suggestion list uh the Justice League Dark and Wonder Woman The Witching Hour book came up. Yeah. Oh, and I yeah. was like, that looks awesome. Now I need to read the rest of Wonder Woman and Justice League Dark yeah. and all that just to yeah. to fill in the blanks. But yeah, that's that's been a good read. And Yeah. Um the Justice League Dark reminds me so much of Vertigo series in the yeah. in the nineties, like Books of Magic and even Sandman to a degree. And swamp thing and things like that so yeah i'm really digging that as well yeah yeah and i like the i mean one of the things that stunned me i think when i first started reading it was that they make a talking monkey seem like a really (laughs) compelling character like there's the (laughs) i i think it's in in maybe issue five or six there's they start off with a monkey walks into a bar and go from there and it's (laughs) like wow this is right like it's so tragic (laughs) and sad and like i don't it takes a serious writing talent to actually make something like that serious um yeah yeah so that's that's pretty much been my my poll list recently although i will say i've been in the process of moving and reorganizing my comics and i've slowly started noticing how many things i've bought and haven't gotten the chance to read yet Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> there. There will be more. That's that's what happens to uh, adult comic book readers. They just never have time to catch up. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, with that, that brings us to the end of our DC Comics News podcast, the 48th episode. And Brad and I have been very happy to be your hosts today, with both Steve and Seth out. We've missed them dearly. Um, So you can get DC Comics News Podcast on all major podcast platforms. That includes Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever it is that you want to listen to your podcasts on. Um, You can find me on Twitter at KelGainsWright. That's K-E-L-G-A-I-N-E-S-W-R-I-T-E. And Brad, where can the people find you? You can find me on uh, Twitter, FlickyB1, F-I-L-I-C-K-Y-B, and the number one. All right. Very nice. So that has been our 48th episode. And we would like to remind you, as always, to read more comics. Have a good night, everybody.